0: What's up, dolphins fans? Welcome into the Monday, November the 26th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, the Dolphins drop a heartbreaker. Colts 27, Dolphins 24 and what was essentially a playoff game. We'll go over the initial impressions from the individual performances, play some sound from Adam Gaze's game presser, and sound off on some of the coaching decisions before we get to the one big thing. But first, before any of that, I kindly invite each and every one of you to please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating, leave us a review, give me a follow on Twitter at NFL follow the show at Locked and check out Lockedondolphins.com, the number one blog in the entire Locked On network. And last but not least, the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts, like the Locked On Heat Podcast and Locked On NFL podcast. For all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams, we have a very busy show full of complaints to get to. Let's go ahead and kick things off.
1: That's another Miami Dolphins.
0: First down on Lockdown Dolphins podcast today is brought to you by my bookie, where you play, you win, you get paid. And as all of you likely know by now, the Dolphins lost that game in utterly, utter tragic fashion. The second pivotal road game that Miami entered the fourth quarter this season with a two-score lead and out the window it goes. I'll talk about some of the management or mismanagement in the game later in the podcast, but first, we got the quarterback back into the fold, and he played pretty well. The first series was just a really vintage Ryan Tannehill series in command. The fastball shot up the seam that he made early in that drive, the ability to make plays with his legs, the ability to extend later in the game to Leontay Carew, that fantastic catch that Carew made. The stat line is propped up, sure, but the definitive, definitive difference between Ryan Tannehill and Brock Osweiler should have been as apparent as ever in this game. And if it wasn't, I'm sorry, you just can't be helped. Kenyon Drake scored a couple of touchdowns in this game, had 96 total yards, but it comes on 13 touches. So he averages about eight yards per touch, but once again is criminally underused and mismanaged by this coaching staff. I fear that he is never going to see his potential in this offense under this staff. And Frank Gore continues to just play completely awesome football. And he had a great quote after the game that sounds like about the only damn accountable person in that locker room and the only goddamn leader in that locker room And Adam Beasley of the Miami Herald had the quote and talked about how there was tons of finger pointing and tons of anger into the locker room, particularly Frank Gore, who said, quote, we didn't finish. Shit, we've got to finish. That's the key. Especially when they've got a fucking guy over there that can get hot, who I respect, plays the game how it's supposed to be played, that quarterback. Finishing man, end quote. So Frank Gore very, very upset and rightfully so. This team has not played like he expected it to, especially after that 3-0 start. Dolphins are now 2-6 and since that 3-0 and start and continuing on here with the offensive players. I know Danny Amendola was hurt early on in that game, but this wide receiver crew has been very underwhelming this year, really outside of what Albert Wilson was the first six games of the season. And I know the two, uh, two of the better guys are out in Wilson as well as Jakeem Grant. But Kenny Stills has completely gone. He didn't really do anything in this game either. Devontae Parker is, well, you know what he is. Leonte Carew was the best of the bunch today on just one play where he Randy Mosta guy. And that was fantastic to see. Really good effort from Carew. Really fantastic play from Carew. The tight ends, Mike Kosicki grabs a catch and then promptly fumbles. His rookie year, a complete wash so far. The offensive line, I thought it was fine. Tannehill only got sacked one time. The Dolphins ran the ball for 113 yards on just 25 carries, so more than four yards per carry from them. Like I said, the one sack, pretty good pass protection throughout the day. But the pre-snap penalties came back to being a massive, massive issue like they were in 2017. They had kind of gone away for the most part until today, and they really, really hampered the Dolphins' offense. Ted Larson gets thrust back into the lineup. After Wesley Johnson leaves the lineup, Jake Brendel has to slide from left guard to center, and Larson continues to get his ass beat as he has all year over and over and over again. He is a player that I would cut come Monday morning. Defensively, it just starts with Xavier Howard. The two picks he had on back-to-back plays. He now has nine picks over the last... I think 16 games going back to last December. He has two picks against Tom Brady, two picks against Andrew Luck in that stretch. He is fantastic, one of the best cover corners in the NFL. He's physical, plays the ball, contested so many catches in the game. I thought the penalty in the end zone that re- ultimately resulted in that pooch kick, which put the Dolphins back into bad position, was a very bad call. He was trying to break the play up as he's supposed to do, and he got hit with the flag, which wasn't the only bad flag the Dolphins got on the day, by the way. And Mika Fitzpatrick had his worst game as a pro. It happens. I wouldn't worry about it too much, but maybe he's more inclined to play inside than he is outside. Who knows? That's been the issue all year for the Dolphins defensively. And speaking of the other corner that got some run on the outside earlier in the year, Bobby McCain was completely turned around and lost on that game-defining play to Chester Rogers, where Andrew Luck broke free, threw the ball to the corner, and set up the game-winning field goal. McCain, uh, up and down day for him again. Cameron Wake is still an absolute terror for right tackles. He had a great pass rush, a great strip sack, almost got the fumble recovery, but he got the ball out, forced the Colts back, forced a missed field goal from Adam Vinatieri, and he was causing pressure throughout most of that game off that left side of of the Dolphins' defense off the right side of the Colts' offensive line. And these linebackers are really what we have to talk about in this game because as much as the Dolphins did well on defense to force some turnovers, get some takeaways, and get off the field several times, The Colts went up and down the field several times in this game, and a lot of that had to do with linebackers being completely vacant in coverage and being completely misfit in the running game. Kiko is one of the worst linebackers in the NFL, and I see people talk about his amazing season all the time. Quit looking at the box score. Watch the plays. Watch the games. Watch where he's completely washed out. Watch him try to get guys aligned. Watch his run fits. Watch him in coverage. He's terrible. He has to go. He is the biggest culprit on this defense. Raquel McMillan, a complete nightmare in coverage, got lost on that first touchdown to Eric Ebron. Maybe it was Jack Doyle. I don't know. One of those tight ends. He makes a play every game that makes you scratch your head and wonder what the hell he's doing. Jerome Baker had a bad game. Like I said, rookies, it's going to happen. Just one of those games for him. I think he'll bounce back. The linebacker play, though, in general, is just crippling this defense yet again. You can probably say that going back on 10 years now. But for me, I would go forward with the two young bucks the rest of the way as your two primary linebackers. We know that will never happen. But Kiko's not a part of this team's future at least he sure as hell better not be there was a lot of good from the individuals today and I still think this team has enough talent on the roster Needs some more obviously but they're not a terribly talent devoid team but the game management and coaching remains an issue and next we'll go over some of that inexcusable game management and the situations on the podcast but first a word from my bookie And even though the Dolphins didn't win the game on the field, they did cover the spread. And if you're looking for some action on some NFL games this year, you got to check out MyBookie, the best bet you'll make all season long. I would only recommend a service to my listeners that has been good to me. That's why I'm urging you to make your way to MyBookie, where you win, they pay. They've been in business for years, have great reviews online, and their mobile site is so easy to use. They also have in-game live betting, over-unders on fantasy points scored, and the most rewarding player perks in the business. And my bookie is currently slammed with new betters and wants to give everybody the best possible customer service. So if you're willing to deposit your money after 7 p.m. Eastern, they'll give you an additional $25 free play on deposits over $100. Join now and my bookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar when using promo code locked on to activate that offer. Visit MyBookie online today. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use the promo code On when creating your account to claim up to $1,000 in free play money. Hold out until after 7 p.m. and catch an extra $25 free play by using promo code On 25 That's MyBookie. You play, you win, you get paid. So well, I talked about the players in the first edition, first segment of this Locked On Dolphins podcast for November the twenty-sixth. Travis Winkle with you guys here as always on the Locked On Dolphins podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Winkful NFL. You can find the show's webpage at Lockedondolphins.com, but I wanted to go over some of Adam Gaze's answers from this press conference post-game. It was only 4 minutes and 17 seconds long, but there are some nuggets in there very, very well worth exploring. First, before we get to that, I'm going to go ahead and set the stage for you here and just kind of relive the terrible fourth quarter, once again, that we have to go through here on the Lockdown Dolphins podcast. The Dolphins are up 24-17 with eight and a half minutes left in the game. From this point, for me, for anyone that has been around the game of football. I mean, you watch thousands and thousands of games over the course of years and you start to get the idea for how management works, how clock management works, how situations work. I mean, I can see it from my couch. I don't know that Adam Gase has that same built-in type of mentality when it comes to managing games. For me, there's three possessions left in the game at that point. Two for me and one for the opposition because I have the ball right now. That means in order to lose, they're going to have to score a touchdown and stop us twice and then beat us in overtime. Sounds very easy, right? Well, not for Coach Gaze. Granted, I like the aggressiveness to start the first drive before the meltdown happened. Two incomplete passes. That's totally fine with me. I get it. I want to be aggressive. Like I said, I view those offensive possessions as just as much as a chance to win the game as I do have a chance to win the game by getting a stop on defense. Getting points makes the defense not even have to take the field. So I approach the game that way. Two chances. Why rely on just one faction of your football team? But then, then... On 3rd and 10, they surrender. They wave the white flag. They run the football. They punt and have taken just 20 seconds off the clock in doing so. Make up your damn mind. Either go down swinging or don't. If you're going to run the ball on 3rd and 10, run it on 1st and 10. Run it on 2nd and 9 and run it again and get the minute and a half off the clock that you desperately need to get off the clock. I don't understand that process. I never did. I never will. Waffling will get you nowhere, Coach Phil. I mean Coach Gaze. Next drive, granted, it starts at the six-yard line. It's a tie game. There are four minutes and 20 seconds left in the game. If you get one first down, the Colts probably have to wait until overtime to even have a shot to get the football back to beat you. Instead, Miami runs it headfirst into a wall of Colts. Both safeties were up and playing the run. They knew it was coming. And then it gets even worse. You run a fucking tunnel screen, which the Colts also knew was coming, by the way, to Devontae Parker, one of the least imaginable run after the catch receiver in the business and if it wasn't bad enough you're throwing to Parker you have Kenny Stills as his point man for the lead block on that play he's one of the worst blockers in the NFL on the outside and to make matters even more funny he gets hit with a holding call that they eventually decline so lol there And then the cherry on top, the icing on the cake, whatever you want to call it, however you want to dress it up. The third and 10 draw play. This decision literally, it literally tells the Colts, I don't think you can gain 25 yards with two minutes on the clock with Andrew Luck as your quarterback. Because punting the ball from your own end zone right there with a 45-yard net, give or take, puts the Colts at their own 40-yard line. How in the hell do you think that's a good idea? Why don't we just go to Coach Gaze himself and find out what his thinking was behind some of these calls and decisions?
1: Well, they ran when we thought they were going to run. They pressured us both times. So, you know, you got guys wide open. You know, we got to protect and you got to be able to make those plays.
0: Okay, so you're talking about making protection, making the plays, whatever it is. Aren't these the guys that you brought in, your guys, this group of guys that you loved. Wasn't this the offseason that was all about you and what you wanted to run, your program and your system? Well, trust them then. You don't trust Ryan Tannehill, obviously. You keep talking every week about how we didn't get the right protection. We didn't get the right routes. We had open guys. We didn't make the throw. Well, coach, who the fuck does that fall on then? You, the players, the decision to bring those players in. Someone's got to be held accountable. And I'm sick of these press conferences where there's absolutely no accountability. So then, the Dolphins beat writers go on to ask him why he didn't trust Ryan Tannehill on that final drive when the Dolphins had a chance to go win the game in a tie ball game, and asked about the situation, what was going on with the decision to run the to run the football the first play, run a tunnel screen the second play, run the football the third play.
1: I don't trust him. It wouldn't matter who was back there. That's a, that's a shitty situation to be in. Shitty. It's third and long. It's on the. Cuss word. You're backed up. Like, it's a bad situation. I've been in that end zone before, and I watched a Hall of Fame quarterback get sacked for a safety. So, I mean, in this building.
0: So because he saw Peyton Manning get sacked in that end zone, I assume that's who he's talking about in that building. Because he saw Peyton get sacked for a safety That means we have to punt the ball back to Andrew Luck with two minutes to go and only needing 25 yards to win the game. I mean, you talked all this time about Ryan Tannehill being your guy. We have to get our quarterback back. We finally got the quarterback back. He was happy all week in the pressers, and then that's the trust level you give him. The ball's at the six-yard line. I mean, a sack is a sack. I mean, what difference does it make? If you get sacked or you punt the ball from that spot, you're going to lose the game either way. So I don't understand why you can't find a match protection, find an easy throw, find an easy completion. Everybody else can in today's NFL, but you guys can. And then we fast forward here a few minutes in the press conference, and this is where things really, really twist the knife in my gut personally because he changes his tune and he kind of changes the overall message regarding how they were forced into a certain box because of the situation. And right here they ask him about what he thought about that Colts final drive, the game-winning drive, and how it happened the way it did.
1: branchy has got it. the guy wrapped up, and it looks like we're going to have a sack and we're going to get the ball back. You know, That's what's tough about Andrew Luck.
0: If that's what's tough about Andrew Luck, then don't give him the fucking ball back. Go for it. Go go for that fourth down if you have to. You know in today's NFL, these teams, these offenses, they're going to find a way to score late. That's what Andrew Luck does every single week. That's what Tom Brady does, Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers. You give these guys the ball late, they're going to do it. He just admitted it on the press conference, Can totally contradicted himself in admitting that Andrew Luck was going to hurt them, and yet he was willing to run the ball on third and 10 anyway. So from there, Gaze continues to hem and haw, pulls the, the hat down over his eyes a little bit more, and they ask him why he ran the ball on that 3rd and 10. Was it just because of the situation, or why did you run the ball there? And you
1: ran into the line, is that just because of where you are? Yeah, it's the field position. I mean, the safety's coming down the other way. We, we didn't block anybody. I mean, that's what bothers me more than anything.
0: Well, Adam, you talk about the injuries. You talk about the group of guys that you have that came in here and you wanted to make a certain splash with those guys. Josh Sitton's out. Dan Kilgore's out. Wesley Johnson's out. Well, then why are you calling that play? Of course, it's not your fault. It's not the play caller's fault. It's not the offense in general's fault. It's the guys not blocking and executing the way you want them to. And I get that. That's the idea in the press, or that's the idea that you convey to the team. But in the press, take some accountability because everyone's pointing at you right now and you just still seem like you're failing to see it. I get you're a very smart football guy. I get all that. But the egotistical manner in which you approach these press conferences and refuse to take accountability, it's really wearing thin on the fan base, especially when you come. Couple it with some really horrendous play calls down the stretch. So then the Dolphins beat writer that asked the same question comes back and asks a fantastic question referring to two previous plays, which the Dolphins were in third and 10 and ran draws on those plays. He asked what was different from those two plays compared to the third and 10 at the end of the game because you, you've already told us that field position was why you ran the ball on that third and 10. So why did you run it on third and 10 on two previous possessions? It was...
1: Where we are in the field. Why? What I'm looking to do when managing the game.
0: You're not managing the game.
1: I mean, we turn the ball over a little bit
0: on third and longer down in distances. So now he's going back to that Cincinnati game, blaming the turnovers or whatever it might be, blaming the personnel. Once again, taking no accountability for the fact that he turtled into his own body and just became a shell of a head coach, a shell of a play caller, a shell of an aggressive guy that wants to take an offense down the field and win the football game. He backed out of it on the field. He backed out of it in the press conference. And that's why we're going to get to our one big thing on the next side of the podcast here, the Locked On Dolphins podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield at Wingfield NFL at Locked On Fins. It's never easy after a loss. It's never easy after a loss like that, but we roll on as we do every day on the Locked On Dolphins podcast, and it probably isn't going to be much of a surprise, but my one big thing for the podcast today on the Sunday edition, Monday edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast focuses on the coaching in Miami. One big thing. If one segment wasn't enough to release all of my frustrations with the coach that I previously bought into, a coach that I previously lauded and defended till I was blue in the face, then I think we've reached a boiling point. In the NFL, the smallest of margins determine sweet, sweet victory or utterly bitter defeat. With that in mind, I try to base my evaluations on process. What are the things these people, coaches and players, do on a consistent basis, and can I project that into future long-term sustained results? With Gaze, you can point to any number of injuries. Yeah, they have been hit badly by injuries the last two seasons, no doubt about that. But that blanket, free of context, that is tossed over any presiding issue, has worn entirely thin. Yes, you do get credit for putting up a 10-point lead on the road going into the fourth quarter against a hot team without some of your best players. That's great. But all is forgotten when you shrivel down the stretch, show poor process, and wind up with worse results. We just went over the indie game, so that's fresh. But how about removing a two-month-old Band-Aid and revisit the horrendous Cincinnati Bengals loss back in October? The one where Marvin Lewis, Marvin Lewis, thanked the Dolphins and their coaches for not helping Sam Young and let him one-on-one protect with the game on the line on the edge in a very crucial position in a crucial spot in the game. Miami bounced back the following week with an exceptional plan against the Bears and backup quarterback Brock Osweiler. They condensed the formations, they chipped Khalil Mack, and they found a way to move the ball against the league's very best defense. But here we are, six weeks after the fact, and we're asking the same exact questions. You're a guru. You assembled the offense. Where is your faith in that offense? Why do you lack faith in the guys that you specifically brought in in the face of mass scrutiny regarding the exodus of most of the Pro Bowl players you had on the roster? There's an accountability issue. There's a poor process issue. There's an overall lack of general understanding of game management and game theory. Two years in, it was okay to sweep things under the rug and chalk it up to a learning experience, a learning curve, if you will. But now, we're 41 games into the Adam Gaze experience, and we're seeing the same issues that occurred in year one, here now, in year three. It's fitting that Adam Gaze's post-game pressers tend to conclude with the same monotone answer every single week, quote, we've got to look at the film, and we've got to get a few things corrected, end quote. Well, in this business, you either get them corrected or or you look for employment elsewhere. It's that simple. It's year three, and the same issues persist. In 2011, Stephen Ross spinelessly had Tony Sperano return for a job that he was certain to lose midseason. 13 games into his fourth year in charge, Tony was dismissed, Rest in peace, Tony. Fast forward another four years, and Joe Philbin inexplicably returns for a fourth season and survives just four games after getting drubbed back-to-back weeks by Buffalo and New York. Four years later, we may as well have Bill Murray in the big chair because we're stuck in Groundhog's Day, and I'm not sure that Stephen Ross has the stones nor the insight to make a change before he has to punt in the middle of yet another season in 2019. All right, guys, that's my time for the podcast today. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter, at NFL. Follow the show, at Locked On and keep up to date on our Daily Dolphins blog over at LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your night. Try and enjoy the week. We'll be back tomorrow for another edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football. Fins up.